This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. That, that little squirt who was playing in the middle of the park for them tonight. 1.6 metres, I just put it into the thingy converter. Five foot two for a professional footballer playing in midfield. That is fucking outrageous. That makes Barry Bannon look like a giant. Right, anyway, yeah. let's start. Usually every time he finished a song, he'd get on a payphone wherever he was in the country and call me and wake me up. And so, like, he'd lay the phone down and start playing his guitar, you know? And that's how I heard this song the first time. I always thought this was a real pretty one. It's called uh, My Old Man. Welcome to the My Old Men Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOldMenSaid.com. Joining me this week, Mr. Chris Bird. Hello, hello. Have you seen Dan? Uh, no, this sounds like very much like a partridge scene. Does it? Dan? 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 Nowhere to be seen, as per usual. As per usual. Hopefully he'll turn up in the next show, but don't turn off just yet. It's about to get so good. action-packed show we were going to put out a reaction show to the bolton game and it was all ready but now that part's just going to be uh, stitched into this show we will uh, bring you as you may remember the last show uh, where were you when we were good and we go back to the year of 1996 am i right in saying i think you are yeah 96 yeah. 97 season Exactly, and so hold on uh, at the end to that, and we will uh, obviously go into uh, what we are thinking in terms of uh, the Dean Smith revolution. First of all, though, three points, and we'll do these quickly. So, I mean, this ha- actually happened uh, a while ago, uh, well, it seems like months ago, it was only uh, a matter of weeks, actually, but Leicester City's uh, chairman passing away in, uh, well, a obviously a tragic uh, incident there's no there's no justice in the game is there when somebody who actually an overseas chairman who actually got it how to run a club 
how to sync yourself into its traditions and actually run, you know, with a bit of heart and not, you know, it's not just cheap pandering, you know, to the fans just to uh, win over popularity. I think he, gen- he genuinely engaged with them, didn't he? He was, he was really exactly. liked. He was liked at the club, and I think he'd apparently had done a really good job in like, the, the wider sort of community as well in within Leicester. Yeah, there's no surprise when you integrate that far in and on a genuine level and get everybody moving in the you know the same direction. Uh, success does tend to come. We always, as football fans, moan about bad owners. So give him credit where he's due. He was uh, a shining example to anybody who uh, buys into a, uh, a football club in the English leagues. Yeah, one of the good guys. Point number two, and this is more of uh, about the bad guys. What, what did you make of this? Was it the Spiegel newspaper in Germany? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Outed uh, the alleged talks of a formation of the su- a Super League which will see the likes of Chelsea, Manchester City, United, Arsenal and Liverpool uh, disappear off into the sunset and, and you know basically earn a lot of money. I don't see it happening in the short term. Long term, who knows, I suppose. It's, it depends what the offer is and if they see it as a, a worthwhile thing. I, I don't think it would be any good for the certainly for the Premier League or the British game in general. But Well, that's it. I mean, the Premier League must be fighting this. I mean, Sky, If I think if Sky had the TV rights for it, then they don't care because they would assume that this would create more viewers. I mean, this is, I mean, I, I keep my f- football mean and lean. I watch Aston Villa and that's pretty much it. Since I've been in the Championship, I, you know, I hardly watch... Um, even match of the day, but I'm not in a you know I'm not a good example of somebody that the TV companies are obviously aiming at. Certain fans they watch their own club and then they'll watch the Champions League, won't they? Because it's marketed you know to fuck to them. Yeah, and, and just the, the general armchair supporters, but it's it's so spread out now, isn't it? Obviously between Sky and BT and the bits that you get on Terrestrial now and everything else, it's just kind of a never ending. You know, there's always an extra you know, a game on a Thursday or a Sunday or recently there's been games at 5.30 and quarter to eight on a Saturday. It's kind of, it just seems like they're trying to shove any another game in wherever they can in the schedule. It's surely kind of reached saturation point, but in terms of, you know, the romance of the English league and, the, well, not romance really, the tradition of it, I think, I think it kills it dead. But then again, that's probably... When the Premier League took over, and uh, of course, you know, Villa had a chance to be up there. If they won that first one, when they uh, when they could have, who knows what would have happened. But uh, when it gets real in terms of like the top five, six clubs starting to uh, the gap widening, Villa obviously cho- choose this kind of period to get relegated and uh, yeah, be, be so far back that they're not even at the table uh, of these conversations. The reality is, those top five, six teams, can they ever be pegged back? This is the problem. I mean, Villa Villa have got potential to uh, peg them back, but they've got to be in that bloody league in the first place. And there's uh, a lot of teams apart- who would probably claim the same right. You know, you look at someone like West Ham and... No big stadium, potential to earn a lot of money. The Geordies are the same, and they're West miles Ham. behind as well. It's like West Ham. There's all these clubs that claim to be uh, competitive and just aren't. West, <clears throat> West Ham. Do you, I can take that off record if you want. No, I'm definitely joking. But there's so many of these clubs that are just (laughs) claiming to be huge that are nowhere near them. But yet they are still miles ahead of Villa. Yeah, but uh, the Super League, uh, from my point of view, uh, I, I don't want to see this kind of shit happening. I mean, God, Im- imagine imagine taking Barcelona and Real Madrid out of the Spanish League. The rest of that league would be garbage. I, lo- I love the uh, the irony of uh, Brexit happening. 
And they're talking about a European Super League. I know, yeah, it's so, fantastic. Anyway, no, point number three, lots of football supporter meetings. Recently, I went to London to the uh, Football Supporters Federation uh, EFL clubs meeting. And this is one of the, you know, I don't like going to the EFL meetings just because it's... Uh, I used to like the days when I used to go to the Premier League meetings. EFL, nobody cares about the EFL. Joking aside, talking about the transition from the safe standing campaign to the standing for choice campaign, this whole idea of it being rail seating uh, has been dissolved to make it more a campaign about choice. And uh, obviously that's got some movement now after the recent events of the last uh, few months and the petition that led it to be debated in the House of Commons. Also, we talked about uh, weather postponements, uh, the notice given to supporters, uh, also about rail fares. And this is something that football supporters and reps, etc. have been talking about is trying to get the rail companies to lay on discounts to help, you know, away fans uh, specifically. But uh, there's been a few meetings with the rail companies and uh, the consensus is football fans are still considered as scum and they uh, wreck trains when they're drunk and it's hard for the train authorities to justify trying to help them. So it's a bit of a impasse at the moment on that on that matter. Uh, then there was uh, issues about how I follow uh, the streaming services are uh, potentially affecting uh, attendance rates, but I, you know, I put forward the notion that actually the quality of these streams, as anybody who subscribes to the AVTV uh, stream will know, that especially at the start of this season when the the actual picture was cutting out, the audio wasn't synced. I mean, never mind them affecting uh, supporters; it's actually ripping off supporters at the moment. So. That's something they've got to look at to actually supply supporters with a uh, service that actually justifies the outlay yeah, it was on a, it. it. it was a high price for a very poor product, wasn't it? And a consistently poor as well. And also, Villa opted out of the iFollow service, which is basically the EFL standard one, because they said, oh, we will we'll offer a more personalised product. And for an overseas fan, they charge £6 per game when I follow, which is used by most of the EFL clubs, is £5 a game. But what do you get for that extra quid? Pretty much bugger all. It's it's the most stripped down service, just one commentator and that's it. And and they could have they could easily do a little pre-show, uh, a little half-time, uh, you know, a few stats put coming on the screen, things like that. It's, it's kind of simple to do. And then like a little post-match wrap-up but it's pretty much on, off, and that's it. It's about as basic. It's as basic as when we've had games streamed, like reserve games on YouTube, isn't it? It's it's really poor. Yeah. So to, what I'm saying is, it's poor because they opted out just so they could charge fans yeah. more, and and that's that doesn't kind of sit well with me. It's a bit uh, shystery, shall I? Shall I? Especially say. when I'd imagine the amount of money they're realistically going to make isn't going to make or break anything anyway. No, exactly. Also, in, in the meetings front, the Aston Villa fan consultation group finally has a meeting with uh, the new Villa CEO, Christian Perslow. I just helped uh, finalise the agenda earlier on today, so uh, that's now gone through, so uh, I'll report back. Right, uh, moving on, Mayo said has been nominated in the Football Supporters Federation Awards, which take place on the 3rd of December at the Tower of London nominated for best fan media so uh, thanks for anybody who uh, nominated us and if you can please do uh, vote for us it's it's 
pretty much mission impossible because there's, there's like mega blogs and podcasts that are in there like ask blog which uh, they have like 20 times the amount of patrons for example than uh, my old man says have and you know they got like half a million facebook followers and then uh, the Anfield Rap, which is one of the biggest podcasts out there, they actually have their own app, which they charge £5 a month to uh, listen to their podcast. So that's what we're up against. We need more supporters so we can uh, actually have some resources to take on these. Uh... We need the quantity to get the quality. Exactly. Well, that's, that's very well put, actually. But anyway, uh, let's go down swinging. So please do vote. Uh, the link will be in the podcast and you'll see it uh, about on our social media as well. Thank you very much. Also, another thing, uh, hopefully uh, we'll get some t-shirts out on the, the myomansaid.com site with the uh, the podcast cover on them so you can support us that way as well as well as looking very cool the design is a uh, let's say it's a, a villa mashup of the rolling stones beggars banquet album cover right let's get into the show essentially we're talking about the last well the first four dean smith games as his pre-season two home wins two away losses and now the fixtures starting with Derby onwards pretty much everyone up to Christmas is a pretty meaty fixture against some team that's a genuine contender for the playoffs I think the season starts here doesn't it really the fixture list if you're not aware reads uh, next game away against Derby then we've got Blues Forest at home then Middlesbrough away West Brom away Stoke at home and Leeds at home and this is all before Christmas so uh, I think, Chris, the next uh, month or so will pretty much define our season, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I think we'll know, uh, you know, certainly the next November, especially to begin with, you know, it's three home games, one away game, all games at home you'd think we need to be getting wins from, and then big games over the festive season where we're going to have to take points from teams who are realistically going to be either above us or in and around us, so it's you know a really big six six to eight week period now yeah i think as, as we said uh, in the previous show that fulham made their big comeback based on a, a six game run where they played all the top six and uh, i think bar a draw against bristol beat everybody last season and that got them because obviously you're clawing three points back on uh, every team that's above you so it helps you uh, get back into the picture straight away in terms of their promotion credentials those games that are up and coming, uh, we've got to get at it. And so Dean Smith's had three games within six days. That was his first introduction. And then he's finally had a week to uh, prepare a game. And he said in his uh, post-match against Bolton that this is probably the worst performance of the four. But obviously uh, it was a must-win in terms of keeping us in the picture and keeping us optimistic going forward. So just in summation, it's Two wins out of two at home, and then obviously uh, two losses away from home. But in terms of improvement straight away, what what have you seen over the four games? Finally, you can start to see how he wants to set his team up. There's clearly a plan in terms of a much more possession-based game. He wants them to press higher. You can tell he's obviously trying to get Grealish further up the field where he can hurt teams. The wide men are getting involved a lot more, which is great. It's really great to see them playing out from the back. You know, the the, the full backs are having to get involved a lot more. And and if, I think he probably knows, or it would appear he knows, uh, what his goalkeeper and back four is, which under Bruce for the last however many weeks and months, you know, it was chopping and changing every week and no one had any any idea. There seems to be a, an element of continuity 
creeping in. Before he came in, I, I was remember we had that conversation and I was talking about maybe it's time to get rid of the defensive DM. And yeah. that's one thing uh, straight away he has done. He's instead of going for Yedinak and Whelan as his let's say his first choices, the first thing he did was obviously he went for Bjarnason straight away. And uh, with Bjarnason injured against Bolton, uh, he decided to go for Hurahan. And hearing his post match, he was talking about uh, Hurahan's range of passing which, uh, you know, obviously some teams when they play a deeper midfielder, it's not necessarily a DM just to help the back four out. It's to actually instigate the play going forward. Yeah, they, they, they take up a, they take up almost like a quarterback role, don't they? They're, they're the very yeah. much there to, to, to kind of distribute. Exactly. It'd be, it'd be a bit like how uh, Barry Bannon was playing for Sheffield Wednesday when they came to Villa Park. Yeah, well, and how Ryan Woods used to play under for, for Smith at Brentford, really. He'd play much deeper and he'd control the, the tempo and dictate the play. And uh, Smith said uh, after the Bolton game, he was a bit... Uh... It was critical about his wide men were kind of coming in uh, too often, so it obviously gave Hurahan less of an option to obviously uh, spread and switch the play with the longer ball. Speaking of uh, Dean Smith's post-match interviews, I mean, it's kind of a revelation listening to Dean Smith talk compared to, uh, let's just say, tracing back, my old man said, been going uh, as a as a website since the McLeish days, and listening to Dean Smith is probably the most articulate and interesting manager we've probably had in that time would you agree yeah I mean I mean you know first of all you can understand what he's saying unlike Lambert and McLeish that's always a help don't be uh, racist oh I'm definitely not <laughs> I, do, I do I do love the Scott plus we love John McGinn so we can't be racist this club was built on the shoulders of Scotsman exactly you can tell already with Smith it's not a regurgitated message you know he's not mumbling on about how big the club is and the fan base every week and the pressure that comes with it he actually when he's asked a question he gives a almost a, ta- a tactical analysis yeah. in his answer it's great you know he's, he's clearly switched on he's he's clearly very aware of what we do well and what we don't do well and then what his expectation of the the players is there is there's clearly a plan and if they don't adhere to it or they don't live up to expectations he's he will be pretty transparent with his criticism or you know his you know it's his constructive criticism I don't think he's I don't get the feeling he's going to come out and blast players in the same way that Bruce no. sort of hung a couple of people out to dry but if if people are, and the team are deserving of criticism he seems to have found a way to do it in a bit more of an erudite way than just slamming people so he's also on the other other side of the coin I mean for example Lambert that would be one of his strategies talk up every player doesn't matter what they've done one thing I know I'm getting for the lads is everything out of them and um, they've been they were excellent last week I thought our away form has been excellent but the lads that came in well, we're excellent for yeah. It's all about this. I mean, it's a bit of a base root uh, ideology of, oh, we've you know, got to keep the confidence up. Like, for example, uh, after the Bolton game, you know, we'll talk about Nyland later on, but I mean, his judgment uh, is there to be seen. It's not the greatest. Uh, and poor. It's, it's a potential danger if we're talking about promotion here. But uh, when they asked him about that after the game, and I think, he was asked a supplementary question saying oh but he's made some good saves and he actually said well uh, I expect all goalkeepers to be good shot stoppers and you know that is true at this level especially the top two tiers if your keeper's not considered a good shot stopper then you know what's he doing we'll talk about him later but uh, Smith you know if you could read minds you know what Smith's thinking put it that way but in in terms of the Bolton game, uh, he said it wasn't a great performance. I think, I mean, I kind of agree. I thought we were more impressive, uh, especially against like QPR, for example, and and even in the early stages against Norwich. Uh, I thought it was a bit 
kind of bitty, but we're all always in control, apart from, uh, let's say, Bolton had a few inklings uh, coming up to half-time when it was still at 1-0. I mean, the Chester clearance was Yeah, I think it was game-changing, was probably. Game-changing at that, at that point in the game. And I actually thought him and Twan Zabie played pretty well. Twan Zabie, again, was very assured at the back. We discussed earlier, Neil Taylor is, is slowly but surely sort of growing in confidence and the game time is helping him. Hutton, I think, is going to have to start stepping up a bit more positional-wise. I think, you know, if you've got Bree, there's, there's you options. You know what it says on the can with Alan Hutton. He's he's not going to suddenly yeah. turn into something else. No. Going back to, to Enzebi, uh, he's kind of smooth. He. If he, like doesn't, him. if he doesn't make the tackle, he, he, he reads the game really well and he recovers very well. Yeah. And he, well, he's he, a really good athlete, isn't he? So he's always going to be able to compete with people for pace and power. And he can play. Yeah, when you talk about... They'd always use this term, uh, he's a Rolls-Royce of a centre-back. And I think... Did they use it for Rio Ferdinand? And I think he can... Yeah, and cer- certainly Bruce used it about Chester, didn't he, for a long time? Yeah, and, and I think, I mean, when they say that, I think it normally says they're quite, you know, they're good on the ball, basically. They're good. And they're, cons- they're consistent, aren't they? They're very steady, I think, is the, the thing. Of the yeah, and, and they can re- read the game r- the, rather than being a bruiser. But I think he's definitely developing in, in that direction, which makes you wonder. I st- still don't understand why Bruce wasn't... Uh, it's, it's staggering rolling him out I mean it's early season so it's a good time to get him going and he's, he's it's not as if I mean it's obviously a bit of hindsight now so you're thinking our oh, young defender it might cost us some games but so in hindsight I mean we wouldn't have been any worse off we'd actually be potentially be better off because you'd have had those games and they'd have built a partnership by now built a partnership and uh it would have been all right uh Chester scored two offside goals yeah <laughs> One of one of them, uh, the, the referee didn't quite get. Bolton, uh, they played pretty well with their keeping that offside line. And Villa were caught offside a few times, actually. Yeah, sometimes very sloppily. I think that was probably one of the themes of the game throughout, really, for Villa. It was quite, as you said, quite bitty, quite... Villa were, you know, they got into good positions, but again, the, the final ball, the final touch, the final decision was lacking. And we still look quite... We're, you know, we're trying to play this sort of ball retention heavy style but we either don't have the, the technical ability yet or it just when it doesn't flow teams can when we give the ball away we still need to be better winning it back because we are giving the ball away too easily at times and we don't what well, I think what that you lose the ability to control the tempo don't you you can never take a breather then if you can control the game and when you want to just keep the ball and take the, the sting out of the game you can you have a break we don't seem to do that yeah i think the problem we've got at the moment uh, with the possession based football is there's a couple of loose let's say weak links in in terms of playing that way one is alan hudson two is codger i don't think codger's let's say football iq is is up there once he gets the ball instead of that quick pass to keep this possession going and in a progressive way you'll sometimes take a couple of you know you'll lean back into the defender take another touch and then try you know try to start his uh his hustle there was a couple of times i noticed against bolton there was another pass on you know one touch pass but he leant back into the defender then suddenly he was surrounded by two or three and it just breaks down the whole premise that whole premise of what you're trying to build with possession yeah and we and we and we always look our most dangerous when we when we shift the ball quickly you know we talked way earlier in the season about McGinn with that sort of snap crackle and pop to the way they play and Grealish yeah. wants to get his foot on the ball and play and Hurahan does as well someone like Kodja you can afford to have one player who can change the, the pace of the game and usually that's Grealish he'll slow things down but he'll usually have an end product Kodja is probably better actually when he's facing the goal and, and he goes through the gears and plays quicker I think you know the, the more 
time he has, he seems to be that he makes the worst and worst decisions when he has yeah. to think about it. Yeah, he was guilty. He was guilty of that two or three times. Kodji is is like a man up front, and that's it. I mean, I think they they started off with Abraham uh, wide on the left, which uh, is somewhere where he used to play. Uh, you know, early days for Chelsea, and he, he actually you know had some success there. But obviously, he's he's converted uh, as he's gone on to a centre forward, but. I think, you know, Abraham's got a bright brain and, you know, as, as we saw when he uh, played in Grealish at the start. Yeah, but he's, he's good, isn't he? He's great with his back to goal and he actually brings people into play. Unlike yeah. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss picture the scene all of your mates around you've got your mcnugget share boxes ready to go partner this with your team playing champagne football perfect order mcdelivery now on the mcdonald's app there's nothing quite like a mcdelivery at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com top of the list of what smith's doing is trying to get Grealish into play further up the field uh, which is obviously hasn't yeah. made any secret about that we saw it especially against qpr when Grealish was actually you know getting in the penalty box and you know making things happen and and trying to hurt teams further up the field i mean also later on in that qpr game he was again guilty of picking up the ball you know off the back four which is something we've we've said why is he doing this what's the, yeah and what's, what's the, the, the point what's the point yeah first you know three minutes opening goal was exactly what he should be doing more and, and you know i always thought in my time of supporting villa the, the the best midfielder in terms of breaking through the lines was david platt i mean he was better than most of our strikers in terms of finishing but he timed his runs perfectly and villa knew what they were doing you know they were they were looking always to get him through and Grealish, you know, you should sit down and watch a few videos of Platt, Platt at Villa, that is. I mean, there's no reason why he couldn't be that kind of player. Yeah, Platt's, he's, he was more of like a three-quarter striker type uh, deal, if, if that makes any sense. Yeah, well, he was more of a, he wanted to play off the striker, didn't he, as opposed to a yeah, he's, genuine... Yeah, he's also the most fouled player at the moment, Grealish. That's his uh, moniker at the moment, the most fouled player in the championship. That's how, that's how he's going to be remembered that's going to be his epitaph unless he uh, continues his progression. But in terms of uh, midfield, I think that, well, McGinn, no problem with him, with Grealish. And then uh, I think Horahan was all right. What, what did you think of Horahan playing in that deep? I think he um, he drifted in and out of the game. I don't think that was necessarily for any fault of his own. I just think it was one of those games where Villa at times played a little bit more direct into feet of the two, of Abraham and even up to Codger and the 
the other wide man, obviously Doma and then obviously Balassi. Yeah. And I don't think Horahan is particularly strong under the high ball, which Bolton tended to be quite direct. Yeah. So the game kind of passed him by in periods. I think he was a little bit slow to release the ball. But once he gets into his rhythm, I think he's fine. He just needs to... I think once he gets consistency and he knows exactly what role he's meant to play, I think he'll flourish and he'll probably improve as the season goes on. He certainly doesn't seem to be the, the, the goal threat he was this time last year. You know, he obviously well, started know. the season really well last year, but I think he's probably having to play a slightly different role. Well, I, no, I disagree because at the start of this season, he's he's been coming off the bench, but he's actually made an impact. You know, he's he's been changing games off the bench. I mean, if you look back to... When well, he, Wigan, obviously. The Wigan was obviously the big one, obviously... Uh, Yeovil, he sorted that one out. But scored he, the winner and Blackburn scored the goal. He still gets assists and scores even when he comes off the bench, which I'm not going to call him Tommy Johnson, but at least he was he was making an impact, which was you know rare, rare for a Villa sub. Let's let's face it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Horahan's going to be uh, Smith's let's say an option for home games. I don't know if he'll play him in that position uh, for away games or let's say you know with these tough games coming up, would he play him in that position against like Middlesbrough or the Baggies? That would be up for debate whether he might go a bit yeah. more uh, Steve Bruce, shall we say, and go for Whelan. I mean, what do you think yeah, about a little bit more solid? Do you think Yedinak has got a future? Under Smith, or do you think it's I think, game I think over? So. I, th- I think, yeah, I think what he'll find himself being is probably a bit of a, a bit part player. I think he he warrants his place on the bench just because of his versatility. That the fact that you can play him as cent- a centre back, yeah, or as a defensive midfielder, so he's a, a great option to have because of the way Dean Smith wants to play and at a slightly higher tempo. I don't think he's going to be, and at his age, he's not going to be the main man going forward. But yeah. I think that was always going to be the case, realistically. That's not to say he doesn't have a role to play, though. It'll be interesting to see in January if uh, Dean Smith just does uh, recall uh, Tommy Elphick, who obviously uh, has that clause that he can come back. Yeah, you'd expect there to be cover brought in, be it another, you know, bringing back Elphick or, you know, no one quite knows the lie of the land yet as far as financially where we stand, if we can go out and buy someone. I'm sure Smith will have options that he wants to go out and strengthen in certain areas. Yeah, well, there's no way Hull are paying all of uh, Elphick's wages. So uh, if if no, even not. if even half. So I think they would look at bringing him back before obviously chancing their hand on any, any old defender, shall we say. I mean, if they pick somebody who's young, who exactly what Smith is looking for then they'll obviously buy but they're not just going to buy a centre-back for the sake of it when they can just recall Elphick yeah in terms of uh, issues that Smith's facing I mean as we, as we said he's got this kind of uh, short period to kind of prep before he goes into uh, which is a run of games up to Christmas uh, probably facing the toughest teams in the league but uh his main problems are exactly the ones that cost Bruce's job. A is defence, which at least he's addressed it by playing the players in position. And, and there's hope as long as we stay clear from injuries, then there's a hope that they might get us to January. But the goalkeeper is uh, the main concern. And against Bolton, uh, it's kind of heart in mouth time when the ball is crossed in at any point. Yeah, he just he just refuses to come, doesn't he? It's, it's still... And when he comes, you know, when he like the one that was floating wide, he said, "Oh, that was a joke." He went up to try to you know catch it and uh, put it off for a corner, and it, and it was well, it's like a good four feet away he, from yeah. the post. And he, dro- he only dropped one in the six yard box that nearly resulted in a goal, didn't he? As well, he just he, he just he doesn't instill confidence yet. 
Not at all. Some good news, well, hopefully it's uh, potentially good news, is uh, Villa announced the appointment of Neil Cutler as their new goalkeeping coach. And obviously we know what he's going to be doing uh, for the next month or so, teaching yeah. old Nyland how to catch cross balls. Or punch, just come and come out for stuff in general. <laughs> just do something. Yeah, react. I mean, we discussed uh, question marks over Codger fitting into how uh, Smith wants to play, but uh, Scott Hogan has been back uh, from injury in the last few games. He got about 40 minutes against Norwich, got about uh, 10 minutes uh, against Bolton. So we can now reintroduce, we haven't got a jingle, so sorry about that. The Scott Hogan touch count meter, Norwich, 40 minutes, how many touches? Well, you know the answer because it's written down here, but four touches in 40 minutes. Bolton came on for 10 minutes, one touch. There's definitely a, a theme coming here. And this has been, so the, it's, it's, this has been the same uh, since we started the Scott Hogan touch count meter. And, you know, this isn't a, about really about Scott Hogan as a player, if he's any good or not. This, it's not really... Uh, it's about frequencies and who is on what wavelength and how we are going to uh, play him. I mean, the funny thing about the Bolton game, uh, one touch in 10 minutes. Uh, Whelan came on for one minute and got two touches. <laughs> but uh, can you see Hogan being part of what Dean Smith wants to do? Or do you think Dean Smith was rubbing his hands when he managed to get almost, you know, around ten million for him? Well, I mean, clearly for for Brentford at that time to get the money for him for someone whose injury record speaks for itself, it was probably an amazing piece of business. Yeah. But at the time, it was a good move for Hogan as well. He was an obvious choice. He was a goal scorer. Did it work out? No. Can he be a success at Villa still? I think so. I just I don't see while you've got someone like Tammy Abraham who is a lot better player than him. Very different. I don't see... I don't, yeah, very different, but I, I don't see him starting up front on his own, which no. seems to be how Villa want to play with the one up front. You, you can't play him in that way, so he's going to have to be accommodated, which we've discussed numerous times. I don't think Villa should be accommodating players. Yeah. He's, a, he's a great option to have. I think he can really do some damage coming off the bench, but I don't know if he's going to be the leading leading the line for Villa this year. You can understand the benefits of a, a possession-based way of playing if, if you've, let's say, you've got two threats up top because he's he's the nippy man who gets put in from a flick or a through pass or, or whatever. Like, for example, how Grealish scored against Bolton. Hogan, you yeah. can, that's pretty much the playbook you play with Hogan. It's like slide rule pass and uh, through on goal he goes. But no, it's a tricky one. I don't know if it's like just 10 million sitting there and we're not really going to ever, ever see... Uh, any dividends really from it? I think he could be a really good option away from home if you if you're going to play a counter attack. But yeah. from the way Smith appears to have set his team up, it looks like we're going to tend to try and have a lot of the ball. Yeah, I mean we got we got sixty percent against Bolton. I think it was sixty eight percent away against QPR, which which is crazy really to lose that game. Yeah, but but you look at the way McLaren set up QPR and he has set them up to be a, a sharp counter-attacking team I mean that's the, the basis of yeah. how they're going to play home or away I can't see us playing uh, one way away and one way at home I think we will be playing no. possession uh, based all the way through but it'll be interesting to see how we do against Derby and even the Blues now because the Blues have clicked I mean I've, I've said this all the way since the start of the season on this podcast that the Blues were playing well but just not 
finding the extra bit you know they always say you know extra bit of quality in terms of finishing but they were having these draws they were having i think they've had eight of them these were all games as you know blues people will tell you they they could have won so all they needed to do was for it to click and actually start putting away their chances and then they'd come good and and suddenly they're uh, looking more of a promotion threat than villa are at the moment to be fair to the guy you've got to give monk a bit of credit because with the resources he's had with all the embargoes and everything else that's gone on over there i think he's He's just really quietly gone about his business. Yeah, and he and he seems to be uh, he seems to be happy where he is at the moment, and yeah. uh, it's definitely going to be interesting against Forest as well. I mean, I watched that game uh, in the cup against Burton. I mean, they were knocked out, but as soon as Graban came on, I just I knew he was going to be the next to score, and he did. And obviously, they play, they made ten changes for that game, and you just and some of the guys that came on, you thought actually Forrester playoff material as well because they spent spent i don't know where they got the money from all of a sudden but uh, they spent a bit in the close season as well yeah, yeah. Oh, we've got all these midlands games coming up i think yeah the next three games i think will tell us a hell of a lot against derby blues and uh, forest yeah and now for the second time on the my old man said podcast uh, it's the and we still haven't got a jingle we don't we'll find one dan isn't here and chris refuses to start singing uh where were you when we were good so where were you when we were good? Looks back on, let's say, idiosyncratic moments in Villa history. This is the one we've chosen. It's it's more about what one man can do for your team. And in this case, we didn't actually win the game. But uh, cast your minds back to Monday, the 30th, September 1996. Draper with the corner. it came and didn't collect, and it's there. Dwight York... That score at last. Just four minutes gone. Newcastle have the free kick. Shearer had the strength to hold off the challenge. Oh, an equaliser from Ferdinand almost immediately. A perfect reply from Newcastle. Staunton, terrific burst down that left side. And pulled back well for York. It should have been a second. Denied by the post. York can't believe it. Looking to sweep forward again with Gillespie now. Still Gillespie, and Ferdinand, he escaped the marking completely, and the finish once again was so decisive. And Aston Villa will be dismayed at their defending there. Gillespie's corner, up goes Ferdinand, Shearer, and Ferdinand off the line. But it's squeezed in, and Shearer's got it this time. 3-1 to Newcastle. Now Draper was cautioned just a couple of minutes ago and if it's another yellow it's going to be a red one as well well it was a foolish act really from Draper as if they didn't have enough problems already and Aston Villa now will want the sanctuary of the dressing room the angle run by Dwight York now can he set something up here maybe for himself still York two goals from Dwight York tonight a barren season remember until now, it's taken by David Batty. Gillespie. The marking didn't look too good, and the header has sneaked in from Steve Howie. They didn't really get themselves together, organised at the back, Aston Villa, and they've been punished once again. The supremacy is with Newcastle again. But here's Sasa Cercic, slotted through. York! A hat-trick for Dwight York. 20 minutes to go. Aston Villa, and Dwight York in particular, Refusing to be written off. Churchich on the break for Aston Villa. 
Churchill just got more and more into the game in the second half. He wants it again now. It's been away from him. Offside. As York slots it in. All he can say now is keep going. They are continuing to embarrass Newcastle defensively. It's just about offside. So, uh, do you remember this game, Chris? Yeah, yeah. Fond memories of, uh, of that, that season, the, the year before and that season especially. It's a bit of a... 96-97 bit of a slugfest between Villa and Newcastle that game. We've had some... It's, it's funny where the Newcastle-Villa games sit. They've got this kind of internet beef in recent years because of the uh, we relegated them a couple of times. But going back in the day, obviously, Villa versus Liverpool, Villa versus Manchester United. You know, these were the, were the fixtures certainly I, of a certain generation, would look forward to. But in the 90s, the birth of the Premier League, Newcastle were a force then and Villa were a force in the early years. So when the two came, it was like the, let's say, the new wave of the Premier League. It was a, it was kind of a rivalry and always a game uh, that threw up excitement. But in this game, Dwight York scored, we went 1-0 up and then suddenly, we were, before half-time, we were 3-1 down. And down to and, 10 men, weren't we? And then Mark Draper got sent off. So we're up shit creek without a paddle, basically. But then I don't think this has happened for Villa since probably Christian Benteke, where we've had a player who uh, could pretty much uh, step up on his own and, and get us out of uh, get us out of the shit, or actually make a fight of it. And in this game, I mean, Dwight York scored a hat trick. He was up there on his own, and he also uh, had a goal disallowed too. So he could have bagged four, and he could have got us a, uh, a four-all draw and hit the post. Yeah, no, he was he was like a man possessed then. I mean, I think on that game itself, that's when Man- Manchester United probably thought, well, let's uh, let's get him. And John Gregory obviously decided to uh, get his gun out the gun cabinet as well. Oh, actually, if he had a gun, he would have shot him. He didn't. He didn't actually have a gun. <laughs> but no, wasn't it, like, wasn't it Brian Little or so? Would it, would it have been both of them? Both of them aiming and firing. Or was that Savo's miss-hit shots? We will talk about Savo in, in another episode. of. He where, gets his own episode, doesn't he? Where were you when we were good? Well, he pops up in a few. There's, there's been some good uh, suggestions. Uh, Keep them if, coming in. If you don't already, uh, do join up on the uh, the Mad Few Facebook group, which is dedicated to uh, this podcast. You, you'll find a link on our social medias or even on the website. Just click on uh, podcast on the myomensed.com website and you'll find the link to the uh, Facebook group there. But people have been leaving there. Uh, where were you when we were good moments? And uh, there's, some, there's some crackers, actually, so we'll be looking forward to tackling them. But going back to Dwight York, that was an example of when Villa... We, we don't really have it at the moment. We're still waiting for Grealish to step up. I mean, another example, David Platt. Anything was possible when he played and he could get you out of the uh, the Shizen as well. But as I said, Penteco is probably the last get man who... Uh, well, he could win He could win a game, couldn't he? He could win a exactly, game on his own. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think I've, I've said it a few times on this podcast, but my catchphrase at the, you know, when he was playing for us was, when you've got Benteke, you've got a chance against anybody. Yeah. It was the same but, with York. And, he, and they, had, they, they all had that kind of... You know, he was entertaining, wasn't he, York? He'd do things off the cuff and just his yeah. personality in general. He was, you know, he was... You know, he was an exciting person to have on the field. But in terms of Grealish, I mean, I mean, I never thought this was rocket science. I just assumed when, for example, when Bruce and the likes of Sherwood were saying, get Grealish on the ball more, I, I just assumed he, when he was playing, like they say, the, the archetypal number 10 role, he would be trying to break past the uh, the striker and, and break through like, you know, Dennis Mortimer back in the day and uh, obviously David Platt also. But it's almost like Dean Smith is the first one to actually put it in 
action and it's suddenly like being considered as rocket science but I, I assume that's what they were trying to do with him but on the evidence of what we've been watching where he's picking up the ball off the back four that hasn't been the case no and, and there's there's other people who can do that role as as, as dean smith has said you know he think he seems to like Horahan in the in that kind of like quarterback position distributing the ball you know you want Grealish 10 20 30 yards further up the field where he can actually influence the game yeah it seems as it just seems so obvious to have him there because when you see him in and around the box the whole crowd gets on the edge of their seat well that's the thing you don't if he picks up the ball deeper he's running into traffic of four or five guys and he gets the foul if he's picking the ball up in the box he's not going to have five or six players around him starters and if he gets fouled penalty so it kind of makes sense, but it's going to be interesting. He's, he's definitely got a good litmus test now, playing the teams that are considered our rivals, and there's going to be a lift in the intensity of the game. I mean, the only issue with Grealish is he's, he's just going to make sure he doesn't get uh, another yellow card because the mark where those five uh, yellow cards gets rescinded is uh, 19 games, so that's three games left. So, for example, if he picks up a yellow against Derby, he misses the Blues game, so... I wonder. I wonder how conscious he'll be of that. You know, going to uh, going very to conscious. Yeah. He mentioned it in his uh, post Bolton uh, interview. Uh, okay. Sorry, going back to this game, uh, the Newcastle Villa game. When I looked at the team sheets, uh, I saw Adam Rachel in goal, or Adam Rochelle. How how, how would you? Did he start that? that night? Or was he on the bench? I'm sure was nah, it, was it, that was the it, Michael Oakes era, wasn't it? Yeah, he was on the bench. Uh, I never. I was never big on Michael Oakes, to be honest. No. Because I, I saw the name, I said, you know, your memory remembers only so much, but Adam only just made one league appearance, and that's when he came on against Blackburn, uh, I think it was Boxing Day game. Oaks had already been sent off, and he, he I think he came on at halftime for uh, Lee Hendry. But uh, apart from that, it was it was that kind of tra- transitional team after the League Cup and finishing fourth. I mean, they finished fifth this season, didn't they? So it was still... Uh, yeah, I mean, they, I think they'd kept most of the team together, hadn't they? I think they'd added Sasa Churchich and Fernando yeah. Nelson, but generally it was the same team. But and I think, yeah. obviously, uh, Paul McGrath had kind of gradually left, didn't he, that season? Yeah, that was when Staunton slipped in as a centre-back, didn't left-sided yeah. centre-back. And Char- obviously Gary Charles had snapped his ankle, hadn't he? Yeah. April, yeah. April the year before, so he'd lost him at full-back. And if I remember rightly, it was the year that sort of Julian Joachim started to creep through as a bit of a super sub. Yeah, I used to call him Clubfoot. <laughs> Because sometimes his finishing was way off, but uh, he pops up in another Where Were You When We Were Good. I think he scores a couple of goals uh, in a December fixture, which we'll be uh, focusing on uh, next month. And uh, Tommy Johnson was on the bench that day as well. And there's another super sub. Yeah. But when you look at the Newcastle team, I mean, there's some good players there. I mean, they they had Ferdinand Shearer, Ginola, Gillespie... David Batty was playing, Espriela was on the bench, Philippe Elbert, remember him, he could score from like 35 yards. The famous chip, wasn't it? Yeah, Shaka Hislop in goal as well. He's now a pundit on American TV for soccer. Good Lord. If I remember rightly, he's he's one of these people that used to pop up as a pundit when, you look at, when you're watching uh, illegal streams, uh, allegedly. Who knows? Who, who, who knows? would know? That's that's what they say anyway on on, <laughs> on the mean streets of uh, Villa Internet. Oh, yeah. I think a closing thought was uh, yet again championship referee standards woeful. The referee against Bolton was one of those ones. It was a real yeah. You know, it was a scrappy game to a point, but he made it more so in in blowing up for really poor decisions. And then McGinn and certainly Grealish, they just got leathered numerous times and. The ref was letting it go, and you kind of there was just a real lack of consistency. 
from you know the, the two linesmen and the referee. It was I can imagine the Bolton fans travelling home after the game would have been very annoyed, and certainly the Villa fans who I was sat by were getting very frustrated with him as well. Yeah, it was just a poor performance across the board. I think. I think this is like uh, a moan after every game. I mean. Uh... I mean, it comes to something though when you've won two nil and been relatively comfortable, and still the referee has been an annoyance. Though, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if the, this is one incentive to get promotion, is uh, I mean, yeah, you always moan about referees, but uh, it it was never this bad in the Premier League, was it? I don't think so. I think what we're not doing. I'm, I'm glad, if anything, we're not we're not moaning about referees costing us games. Yeah. This is just we can visibly see that they're having a poor poor performance through the game that's something that I think you know that they've been they've been consistent in their inconsistency it's been so long since we've been in the Premier League it's it's hard to remember what the refereeing was like uh, in that division I, th- I don't think it made any difference because we were so bad by the end <laughs> we always finish with you saying something negative so uh, we'll, f- we'll, f- yeah, sorry. we'll finish there uh, if you're listening on Spotify please do follow if you're uh, if you use Spotify but you listen to the show on uh, I don't know Podcast Addict or uh, iTunes or whatever uh, give it a follow on uh, Spotify as well just boost those follower numbers right until uh, the next show which is coming soon it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from him goodbye my old man said away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for McDonald's maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.